0: And we are back on another episode of Fox and Fallon. It is Marathon Monday in Boston. It is text day everywhere else. It is the day after Tiger Woods won his 15th major, a national holiday for middle-aged men across America. (laughs) I am your host, Courtney Fallon, Tanya Ray Fox joining me, and a special guest joining the podcast. I don't know if you heard his little giggle. Uh, it is the infamous John Buchigrass. Welcome, John.
1: The middle-aged man. Who's <laughs> <laughs> celebrating just like every Celebrating
0: man. just like every other man. You know, um, a lot of people are talking about, really, isn't it? It's almost a national holiday for uh, golf fans across America. Men talking about waking up at 6.30 in the morning on a Sunday to watch the Masters. Uh, when Tiger Woods became the main interest of this year's Masters, it moved from just a regular golf tournament to, uh, you know, the redemption narrative. The story really captivating the entire sports world. John, I, my first question was why did this captivate the sports world? And uh, did you shed a tear when he won?
2: <laughs> no, I, I did not shed a tear. Um, you know, I think the, the Masters always holds a special place. And I think a lot of sports fans' uh, hearts, and especially those who golf. But even you know, casual sports fans, or or I should say, casual golfers, and uh, and, you know, big-time sports fans. It's you know, it's the first tournament really of the spring, the first big tournament of the spring. It's the first major every year, so the Masters is always pretty special because it's held at the same club every year. It's in you know early April when we're just want to get over winter and on with spring. The course is just stunning in its colors and and the fake bird chirping and that they pipe in there, and it's just always. You know there's tons of memories that they really tell a good story there, so people get kind of hooked anyway, uh, like I did going back uh, to Jack Nicholas in '86 uh, when I watched as a kid. So, is that you know, it, overall, it's a good foundation for good television. And then, across, obviously, you act, you enter Tiger Woods, who hadn't won a major for so long, it looked like he would shatter Jack Nicholas's record of 18 majors, and then it goes through all this time of not winning the major and and the other thing, all all the stuff that happened from the you know, the the TMZ side of his off course stuff to his back injury and, and just trying to, to plot his way back. And so it just had all that stuff and he was the he was the superstar the icon for a lot of people who grew up in the game. Um, especially people his age, right around his age of of, of you know thirty eight, thirty five to forty five, especially that sweet spot. And, uh, so yeah, it, it had all of the elements, uh, but to me, it wasn't real emotional. I wasn't that surprised. He's only 43. He just wanted the tour championship last year. I knew this was coming. In fact, I kind of looked, I found an old tweet of mine saying right after last year saying he's going to have a big year. He's going to win a major. He's going to win three tournaments. And, um, and I kind of, you know, subtweeted that or whatever quote tweeted that today just for my own confidence. And my own back slapping. That, <laughs> so, that's uh, that's so funny that you called that. A, yeah, it wasn't a huge surprise. He was playing great. He was swinging well. Everything was coming together. Like I said, he won the tour championship, which was a you remember that moment with Rory McIlroy? All those people on the golf course. To me, that was like that was kind of like the, the the you know the pre-show celebration or, or, or kind of like the warm-up act, you know, that, that was an amazing scene last year down there in Atlanta with all those people in the fairway behind him. And Rory's like, holy crap, did you see that out there? And for him to see it up close. So this was coming. And uh, again, not a huge shock for me. You know, I thought Nicholas at 46 was much more of a shock um, than Tiger winning here at 43.
1: So there's a lot of images of Tiger with his hands raised and the fist pumping and us seeing him really exudes the sort of jubilation that we don't normally get from Tiger. And I know you were talking about the the last tournament and this that sort of being a warm-up, but did you see an excitement and a sort of energy from him that kind of elevated it? You know, when we watch people win the Super Bowl or, or March Madness, and there's just that extra level yeah. of excitement that he doesn't normally show. Did you see that yeah. from him? That's a
2: good point. Um, not so much extra level. Like, you know, back in his, when he was a kid, he would, he was the first to really bring, I mean, golfers have always gotten excited. Sometimes in all sports celebrations, we overrate. Oh, that's never happened. And they've always act. They've always cared a lot. But yeah, he's had those huge uppercuts. But you're right. I, I think many people anticipated maybe tears, emotion, but Tiger was pumped. It was like, he was screaming. It was like, he, it was like a, uh, you know, yelp, that big old, uh, that line from the Walt, Walt Whitman poem that uh, they used at Dead poet society, you know, yelp. And uh, he was like pumped. Like he's screaming. He's, his arms are up in the air, like you said, like he scored a big touchdown. Or it was like, it was really cool. I like that kind of reaction better. I like happy reactions. I don't like kind of like the tough guy or uh, or even tough woman, whatever whatever sport, reactions to score. I love joy. I love you know, really just, yes, yes, that's what kind of reaction. I don't like those kind of, you know, you know, that expression list, look at me, I just won the game. You know, when we see sometimes, uh, you know, basketball players hit a buzzer beater and they kind of stand there and fold their arms. I just don't like that stuff. I like, I like that natural burst of joy. And that was really cool to me that he was just screaming. Even when he met his kids, he wasn't emotional. He wasn't really crying. And even his, his news conference after Tom Rinaldi interviewed him, and he didn't cry. So I was <laughs> like, he, he's like, I am here. I am back to dominate. Look out! Okay, it's on now. All right, here we go, you guys. You know, everyone had fun with me. Now I'm I'm coming back to get Jack Nicholas's major record. So yeah, I really enjoyed. I kind of I enjoyed that reaction from him, and I think it it, it you know made him look young. It made him look current. And uh, it made him look dominating again.
0: Well, I mean, you are talking about a guy who's 43 and has bad back. So, I mean, this is a major story across anyone to win a tournament. That's true. Yeah. Um, the story really, as kind of as Tanya alluded to, the story is really never about Tiger himself. It's usually about how fans and media members collectively project upon yeah. him about what they believe that he should be. Why is this golf tournament different? Uh,
2: again, just you know, it, it, it just has a very interesting place in golf history that it's at the same tournament, it's at the same place every year. Um, so that really helps. We all know the holes. We know the uh, you know—the importance of each shot. You know that when you're, you're in the final group that you have more holes to play than the other guy. And 13 and 15 are both par 5. So those are almost birdie holes. You can almost project the final score. Uh, and oh yeah, he, he, this guy's within one, but he's four holes ahead of Tiger. Tiger's going to birdie 13 and 15. So he's really, he's going to be up three. That guy better birdie in, you know, we saw it with Dustin Johnson and we saw it with other guys as they came into the clubhouse. You you know, it seemed like the winning score was going to be 14. That was a number. I think I tweeted that 15 was probably in Tiger's head. If I get to 15, I definitely win. 14 will probably win. And in the end, 13 did. You know, Kepka, had he made that first putt of 18, maybe he could have got there. So you can do the numbers and the math in your head at Augusta. And, uh, and, you know, that's where he won his first one. That's where he won that first major in record fashion, where it really was, hello, I'm here to dominate your butts. And he did. And, you know, Arnold Palmer won four there. And then, of course, Jack Nichols came along. And Nichols also had that 1986, which is probably considered by many the most emotional or fun tournament. And fun or a fun championship one uh, in terms of a major, uh so it just you know it has that storybook thing, and it, it's just a little different than the other. So I think that's why um it mattered more than had he done it in one. Even like had he won the Open Championship last year uh in Scotland, you know, it still would have been a big deal, but it's just a little bit more at the Masters.
1: So you know, it sounds to me like. You think that this is actually maybe the start of a resurgence for Tiger? Is this a situation where we're going to get, you know, Tom Brady winning three Super Bowls after ten years? Are we going to get that from Tiger? Yeah, I,
2: I, that's I, that's actually a, a good analogy. I, I, I like that one. I might steal it, not psych um, you. Okay. <laughs> Just shout but out uh, the
0: podcast on SportsCenter. <laughs> you know, yeah, exposing you exposing us to millions. That's all we want.
2: There you go. Um, but uh, you know, I, like you said, he's got a bad back. One swing. Injuries could happen, you know, we saw he yeah, had like a neck strain for a while. That's a thing. It, it could turn to a hip injury. Hip injuries are kind of common in golfers um, over time. Uh, so, yeah, the window was short. We saw, remember, Tom Watson almost won a major at 59. Um, you know, Jack Nicholas was a contention in 58, 19, in, uh, when he was 58. You know, this was 10-12 years after, uh, or 10 to 12 years after he won that Masters at age 46. So you look at today's, you know, obviously with the advancement in in just, you know, medical procedures, this back injury, probably Tiger would not have been able to play 20 years ago. Uh, The physical fitness part of it, you know, how do you understand nutrition, uh, the effectiveness of those cold ice baths that help your inflammation all over your body? Yeah, he does all that stuff. He's doing everything he can. So if we give his window, you know, we probably should give his window till like I said, 50 to 52. If Tom mm-hmm. Watson once contended at 59, and Nicholas at 50, you know, eight, 57, 56, well, we got to give Tiger 10 more years. That's 40 majors. Um, and, if, and if he plays 40 majors with this current, you know, body, relatively, you know, obviously 53 is different than 43, um, but relatively healthy in terms of the back holds up and, and stuff like that. You, can, you give him 40 majors, I think he can win. Four, one out of ten? That doesn't seem
1: unreasonable, does it? No, it definitely no, it not. It doesn't. It really doesn't.
0: Um, my, I had a question about even before going into this weekend about, I mean, Tiger is the perfect example of how short sports fans' memories are. Athletes will go through, they'll go through struggles, they will go through scandals. How do athletes in particular, I mean, thinking Tiger, I'm thinking Alex Rodriguez, how do athletes revive their careers and, and how has Tiger revived his career?
2: Well, certainly time helps, Um, you know, uh, some politicians are able to survive some scandals like that, you know, and it's a common, obviously, foible. It's a common human foible that's been going on for, you know, as, as long as, Man has roamed the earth. Yeah, I'm reading the book. I'm finishing up a book uh, on Alexander Hamilton, a 700-page biography on him, you know, and Alexander Hamilton had an affair. He, he actually wrote about it. He wrote a you pamphlet. Know, pamphlets was obviously the way people sometimes communicated back in the day, newspapers. Pam- they, wrote, they would actually construct a pamphlet, whether it be political. In this case, he basically, uh, you know, wrote a pamphlet on his entire affair he had with this woman. I mean, that, it, it, and it, it happens. And so that's a... And even with, uh, you know, his substance abuse or dealing with pain, there's many people who have dealt with that in terms of, you know, getting, you know, pulled over for, you know, for for DUI or things like that. It it happens to a lot of people. So I think those particular things, whether people struggle with substance issues, whether it's a painkiller, whether it's depression, uh, maybe, you know, being down, being lost, and, and obviously the other, the infidelity, these are common things that humans deal with. Uh, they many people deal with it in their own lives many people certainly so close to them a family member almost every family member has one of those two things uh, or friends or something and they see it and so you understand well you know all you could do is you know you ask you, you deal with it obviously there's consequences uh, you deal with it you ask for forgiveness time you move on you try to get better and apparently it looks like he has you know um you know, something you probably don't come back from, O.J. Simpson. Other things you probably <laughs> don't read. enough. From, from some things. But in this particular case, I think most people watching either dealt with it themselves, dealt with it within their family or people they know and love who obviously, God, I wish they wouldn't. I like the guy, but I wish he would have done that. I wish he would have done that. And I, I generally like them. And if they can have some humility and come back from it, and then, sh- then show, you know, kind of a, a, a record of a few years and saying, okay, they're back. He's a good dad. He loves his kids, uh, you know, and they seem to love him. She's like a good dad. So, okay, you know, that, 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 that's, a, that's a good thing. And, oh, look, at man, he's hurt, but he keeps trying to come back. He doesn't really complain that much. And, boy, that school he has out there in California where he, ed- where he educates these kids, that, that, that seems like a really good school. My goodness. That seems to be a really good thing. And so – and so, you know, you just kind of build it back up. And he started that a long time ago. It was like something he did just for PR purposes. He doesn't, you know, so it seemed genuine. So and obviously celebrity will help people forgive you even more. <laughs> yeah, people like you. if They like how you give a speech, whether you're a politician or they inspire you or, uh, you know, whether it's someone like Bill Clinton, then uh, – and. Whether they, you know, you see them, you remember them for your, their greatness because you remember when you, when that was going on, you're younger and you might like what was going on in your life at that time. You were younger. You were in your early twenties. Uh, you were a, you were nineteen when Tiger was winning. You were twenty five when Tiger whatever age you were. You're like, oh, that was fun. That was that was a fun time. That was before the internet and that was before phones. Everybody had a phone. It was before soap. but that was a simpler time. I want to go back to that time. So it's, 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 personal in that way too. I think you want to go back to that time. I want it to be 1999 again, 1998 when we didn't live on phones and we talked to people and, and there wasn't this such negativity and, and gotcha ism, it's all this kind of thing. So you kind of, you, you personalize it yourself because you want to go back to that time again. So I think those are all factors that kind of melt into it. And at some point you got to move on, you got to forgive, you got to uh, forget. And, um, you know, like the old saying, you know, if you don't you know, give forgiveness, how could you possibly ask for it? So, um, we're all imperfect, and we, and, and we, and someone like him, certainly, a lot of people can can identify
1: with. Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it on the nostalgia part of it as well. I mean, the relatability yeah. part is so big, but remembering the days—it's it's a time. It's a, it was a different era that when when Tiger was really yeah. in his prime and he won his last Masters in two thousand five. I mean, this was long before we'd even ever heard of Barack Obama, right? I mean, this was a totally different right. era. I had actually yeah. in my oh.
0: senior year, I watched him in a speech class. And All right, said, fair enough. Yep. Corny was ahead of us on <laughs> yep.
1: that. However, um, it's funny that you brought up the internet, and because we really haven't had we haven't had Tiger in his prime in the social media age, because. Like, well, like right. we've talked about, he hadn't won a master since 2008, so, or he hadn't won a major since 2008. So it's funny, he had this little viral moment with Michael Phelps yeah. in the background, sort of like cheering him on on that near hole-in-one that he had. And there's this like sort of beautiful parallel of two uh, kind of unlikable personalities, but really great, great athletes in their sport. And it kind of... It brought up this question I feel like we have to debate before you go, which is who is more more dominant and sort of more important in their sport, Michael Phelps or Tiger Woods? Uh, that's a
2: great question. I would probably say they're yeah, they're just about equal. I mean, all the pressure they felt, they always came through. You know, Tiger just about always comes through. Not every time. Why? Why? Yi Yang beat them. And uh, in Hazel team, when uh, Tiger certainly had the lead in the back nine, so it's not hundred percent, but for all those key putts Tiger made, just about every race Michael Phelps um, was favored or was swimming to win, uh, he he did it. Um, you know, obviously you can't quite compare because swimming is really not a you know, it's not really I wanna say a revenue sport. You know, he doesn't pack stadiums all the time, just you know, Olymp- Olympics really. And those people would probably go anyway. Now, maybe some went and saw him. I, certainly some, especially other athletes who were, would go. And, and as Michael Phelps' ledger began to grow, people would be like, yeah, get to the pool and watch that race today. They wouldn't have if Michael Phelps' his fame wasn't a part of it. You know, some would anyway, but others wouldn't. So I don't know how, how many tickets he sold at Olympics. I'm sure it helped a little bit, for sure. But I'm sure most of those already would have been somewhat filled, where where Tiger just has carried an entire sport, where how the purses exploded because of Tiger. All of these guys are wealthy and rich because of Tiger. Uh, and all, everything about the tour changed for the better. Um, and these guys now can finish 80th on the money list and be millionaires. And you don't have to win a tournament. You can become a multi, 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 multi billionaire just by finishing in the top 20. That's That whole Tiger effect, how he just made it a, a huge mainstream sport internationally, too, not just here in the U.S., but China and other places. He kind of grew the game in a way that Michael Phelps really did. Michael Phelps looked like a lot of swimmers. Like just about every other swimmer, Michael Phelps looked like. No one's ever looked like Tiger. Mm-hmm. You don't have a black father, black father, and an Asian mom, and you're you know you're dominating the, the world and dominating the U.S. sports scene. Um, you know, right after Michael, you know Michael Jordan's reign kind of ended, then here comes Tiger. He kind of you know kind of took over the whole Nike torch and, uh, and and really brought that celebrity and massive. Uh, fame, you know to to, uh, to the forefront so he kind of he was you know, because he, he was right after Jordan You know and then and then he kind of he, he was really just kind of brought just kept it going So I just I think Tigers because of the celebrity and the massive financial windfall He helped others and an in industry all the golf club sellers the assistant golf pros. He's good. He helps everybody more than Michael Phelps
0: with It's funny. I have a I seen a couple of tweets of people uh, groaning about the middle to late-age men that are running around with their master's gear at the Atlanta airport, uh, you know, gloating and boasting. But, I mean, it very was a very, very special moment, I think, in sports folklore. That's something that people's dads will be talking about until Thanksgiving. It could honestly trump any sporting event over the last year and a half, but uh, we know that you are a hockey aficionado. And uh, I am the biggest bandwagon Bruins fan. Uh, there could possibly be. (laughs) So, and I know that game three is going on right now. I believe it's on. Yeah. I think it's on right now. Mm -hmm. Um, as we speak, what does the bandwagon Bruins fan need to know about how to get through (laughs) to the next round for the Boston fan over here playing the Maple Leafs? I do know they're playing the Maple Leafs, I believe.
2: Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, staying healthy, obviously they're a very good team. They are built to win now and, um, you know they have a good goaltender who's been playing well. He's uh, the Tuca Rask factor is always the one for the, the, the especially the hardcore Bruins fan. He's the default blame person on the team. Um, a lot of times goalies are, but Tuukka seems to run a little more than your average NHL team's fans goalie. He that that's their default move, blame Tuukka, because uh, you know they have some great veterans. They have Hall of Famers. They have you know MVP candidates and Brad Marchand, and they have. Uh, young players who are fun to cling on to like a Jake Dabrowski and a Charlie McAvoy. They're, so there's, there's fun. There's new juice there. There's, there's the veterans like Bergeron who will have his number retired and Marshall will have his number retired. Even David Krejci who had a monster playoff when they won their last Stanley cup. So they you know Charles is kind of that circus acts tallest player ever. Who's still out there older than Tom Brady. Who can do 30 chin-ups with bowling balls wrapped around his neck. <laughs> you know, he, he could, he, he's just like, a, they have so But they actually have a lot of personality. Old and new, and so it's a cool mix, and so it's a lot of it's a bit it's a fan base that a lot of people can cling on to different types of players, so it, it helps I think create a bigger uh, hardcore fan base, passionate fan base who gets really excited. So I think you'll really if, if the Bruins move on one series and they, and they could get by the next one, especially if Tampa Bay gets upset. They were planning on top to beat Toronto and then Tampa. Tampa could be out, so suddenly they could get to the third round. If that's the case, you'll see Boston and their fans, I think, really gravitate to this team hard. Because they don't seem to gravitate right now to the Celtics and the Red Sox look like they might have the World Series uh, year after World Series downer. So the Bruins could become really get a lot of juice in Boston.
1: Yeah, I mean you're definitely you nailed you nailed it with Tuga because that he is always the team sort of seems to live and die, and in the fans' eyes, with Tuca, obviously they have so much other talent, and Marshans had such an incredible season. It's it's funny, but that's exactly what it is. And when you get into the playoffs, goaltending becomes you know such a such a big part of everything that's happening. Yeah. My my boyfriend um, is a Sharks fan, and he keeps saying, "I wish I had your goaltender," and I'm like, "You do, yeah."
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the sharks are weak. I actually put a preseason Vegas bet on the sharks with some good odds, so I was uh, I'm kind of rooting for them, and uh, so I would like to see them get get their act together. But Martin Jones has had a very poor regular season, and he just does not look like a Stanley Cup uh, winning goaltender. Because you're right, you can't you don't win with average goaltending. You don't even win with good goaltending. You win Stanley Cups with great goaltending, and uh, and that's what it takes. And right now, the sharks do not look like they have that possibility. The Bruins, I think, do. I think Tuukka could play great. He's played great before, and I uh, think you know. So certainly, they're better off than other teams, you know, so in terms of goaltender confidence and goaltender resume on what these guys have done in the past.
0: Well, if, as you said, if the if the Lightning are upset, obviously they were the clear, I mean, I mean clear, fair, clear favorite to go to the Stanley Cup, and you know they're out of the Bruins' way outside of the Capitals. I mean, who is the biggest threat to the Bruins to make it to the Stanley Cup? And what is your stanley cup predictions in terms of teams
2: yeah for sure it's the capitals um you know the bruins would get the blue jackets next not that that's an easy series but that, you know obviously let's face it, you'd rather play them than a red hot tampa team although obviously if they're if they sweep tampa or even win in five or six there's that means they're still a good team but uh the bruins would get them next and then yeah then it would probably be the capitals especially if the penguins are out but the capitals would only have to go through the hurricanes and then the islanders again two teams who made the playoffs so that's a that's a nice path if you had to pick one you'd pick Islander hurricanes and then Islanders. And then it would be Bruins capitals in the Eastern conference final. That'd be a great final. It would get big ratings.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and it would be really exciting. So that would be, you know, that team, obviously one of those two would go to the final and, you know, the capitals they're built to win, but, uh, that would be a great series. And the Bruins, it would be a coin toss, coin toss series, just about the Bruins could obviously can win that series. If, but if at this point with the lightning down Oh three and, uh, and how much you know, I certainly respect the Capitals and what they're doing. They seem to be kind of in their prime of this run of this group. You'd probably give them a little bit of a nudge with the Bruins, although it wouldn't be a shock if the Bruins were, But I would go Capitals if I had the better paycheck. You, know, you have to bet a paycheck, no matter what. I would probably go Capitals. Uh, and the Eastern Conference in the West is just its so hard to figure out. The teams are all over the place. Some have good goalies. Some don't have good goalies. That's why I – I thought the Sharks, if they just got great Colton in it, they really have the best group in terms of, you know, the back end with Carlson and Burns and the great depth up front with veteran guys you're trying to win a cup for, like a Joe Thornton, so you got that sentimental factor, you have a good coach in Peter DeBoer, so that's why I kind of, you know, was looking at them, but but right now, I really don't see a Western Conference team that I can pinpoint and say them, I really don't, everyone has a little bit of an issue here or there, I guess if Winnipeg can get cooking like they did in Game Three, and just gonna start scoring five, six goals a game and just blitz the field, and they could do that if for some reason it all goes together, um, Winnipeg would not be a bad bet. So that i, I probably, again. You have you're kind of betting on futures with any of those Western Conference teams. So although Vegas for a while there, I, I, I thought that'd be a scare, but you know that they kind of limped at the end of the regular season. But when you see them against San Jose at their best. I mean, Mark Stone and all that depth they have. Mark Andre Fleury is a Cup-winning goalie, so it's probably Vegas or Winnipeg against the Capitals. And um, and it's Winnipeg. If I had to, you know, go one, Winnipeg or Vegas. Um, as I'm talking here, I just think Mark Andre Fleury is the best goalie left in the West. So if you go by that mm-hmm. measure, I should take Vegas against Washington, which would be a repeat of last year.
1: <laughs> I mean, listen, we've seen it. It doesn't happen as often in hockey, but it happens. You know. We've, we've started to get used to it in our other sports, so why not in the NHL as well? You know, this has yeah, been, right. you've, you've given two bandwagon Bruins fans a reason for hope, you know, Eastern Conference <laughs> Finals, I'll take it, you know. Um, Bucci, you've been amazing. Thank you so much. This has been like an absolute dream to have you on. So we appreciate it more than we can say.
0: And we're, we're very happy cool. that you still have your job. A couple of years ago, I had a heart <laughs> attack at the at the NFL draft when ESPN, unfortunately, was in their uh, their firing spree of laying off um, you know good hardworking journalists. And I get an alert on my Twitter that my longtime friend John Bucci Grass was losing his job. But then suddenly you didn't. What was the feeling like? I have to ask you before you go, about having someone break fake news about you getting fired on Twitter. And
2: <laughs> yeah, that was a little weird to wake up and, and see that. But you know, overall I was you know, I, I was kinda you know, you prepare for some of that. You knew it was coming and you know that sometimes companies gotta reorganize and they gotta figure out the future and this is kind of a weird time that, you know, we're in and we're trying to figure out everyone's trying to figure out what's next and And luckily now, it looks like a lot of companies are in investing mode now. With streaming and with podcasting being so successful, everyone's investing. Not everyone will survive again, just like all forms of media going back to the pamphlets (laughs) of the of the 1800s. Um, You know, but so it's good to see that the media appears to be in an investing and buying mode again. But at that time, yeah, it was you know. So I kind of thought, yeah, I'd be a good guy to let go. I've been there for a while. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, you know, I'd been there a while, and 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 uh, you know, they could, maybe they could save some money. And so I was very, I was, so I, when I saw it, I was, I was kind of proud of my reaction because, as we know, what all we can do is control our, rea- our reaction to things. And then, you know, if I have to go do something else, I'll go do something else. You know, hopefully I I could find a job. And and luckily, my kids are grown. So had I been 32 or or and my kids were little, yeah, I would have been really stressed because I know people depend on me. Um, they still kind of depend on me for a few more years with college, but uh, I would have been okay. I would have been able to cobble my way through that. So certainly not no longer having a young family made it much easier for me. And um, and so yeah, so being single, my kids being grown, it was, uh, you know, it, it, I didn't have anyone depending on me. So it didn't bother me as much. I think yeah, I'm a scrapper, I'm, I grew up with not much money, I grew up pretty poor. And and then my dad kind of got to middle class, and then I graduated in college. I got poor again because I got the television working on Cape Cod, making eighteen thousand a year till I was twenty eight, <laughs> and then I uh, get the savings account till I was thirty two, and uh, so like I you know I've, I've never really been used to having uh, much money, so I, I would have been fine.
0: Rags to riches. Well, you made it out on top. I know that's warming (laughs) everyone's hearts and uh, seeing you, seeing you bark back and say, no, but I made it. Uh, (laughs) I'm not fired. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks for not breaking that news. Thank you for joining us to talk a little NHL playoffs. And of course, to talk about day or the week of the year of Tiger Woods. It was
1: such a great timing to have you on. It was like the perfect day. So it worked out so well. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I love golf and I love hockey and uh, you guys are great. Much success. I know you'll kill it. Um, I would say that just to say you're really good and keep
0: it up. Thank Thanks. you, thank you. Thank you. Wojcik was great. Fantastic.
1: He was great. It was it was like so so nice of him to come on and give us so much time and thoughtful answers and to be quite honest, like we really needed a good hockey pro in our corner for a second so we could get ourselves back on and sounding smart about the Bruins.
0: Yeah. Um, cuz there's no way that I could sound smart sitting in front of my computer asking a question about who do you think the Bruins could play <laughs> in the next round? I, I kinda caught I kinda caught myself and then I was like, you know what? Okay, I'm just gonna I'm gonna take a bow and take a knee on this one and just act like the bandwagon fan that I am. Yeah. I mean I, I I do know hockey. There's certain things that I don't understand. Um like icing. I, think, yeah. I don't understand I know. icing. You're I still that. don't That's funny. some people still can't explain it to me. But I mean, in retrospect, Tanya, we talked about this, you know, in high school hockey was a big deal and in terms of for my family it was always baseball and it was always football because my mother wouldn't let my my really super super athletic middle brother play hockey because she didn't yeah. want to wake up at 5 a.m and take him to the rink and so it was never it was never I was never really too excited about it but I will say that playoff hockey is a completely different sport than the regular season NHL yeah, the definitely. tuxes are faster it's lightning and you have Doc Emmerich on the microphone it's oh my god! It's like literally hearing his voice makes me love hockey because you're just the hairs on your skin raise every time his voice shrieks because something happens.
1: Oh, definitely, it's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. The energy of a postseason hockey game is to me is better than any postseason if you're just gonna take it straight up, going compare sport to sport, league to league. One really truly epic playoff hockey game can be as good as anything you can watch in sports. 100%. Um, I don't know if it how it compares to Tiger winning the Masters after 10 Hi. years, but I mean, obviously we got, you know, we got some good answers from Bucci on sort of he really painted the landscape of how people are viewing this and what it means for Tiger to come back and what it means for people to see someone not just stumble and fall, but truly hit rock bottom. And yeah, we can't relate to Tiger in the same ways that, you know, other billionaires or whatever might be able Mm -hmm. to. Tiger's a different breed of person, but it's pretty clear that he relates now to people in a way that he didn't before. And it it was palpable on Sunday. I, I have never seen people react to a single moment like that, and I almost—I didn't know how to feel about it because i don't, I don't really care about Tiger Woods on, on a day-to-day basis. See, it doesn't really affect me as a sports fan or a sports professional. But that moment was just something different, and I thought—I think Bucci hit on why very well.
0: I've never seen more men. I have to stop calling them middle-aged men. It's just men of all ages, Young men. Yeah. old men talking yeah. about bringing their sons in. You know, hey, my six or seven-year-old son. I asked him to watch the Masters with made this morning, and. And they obliged and they sat there with me. I mean, these are moments that you really will remember as a father, as a kid, if you were able to watch Shaq Nicholas in the night in the 86 Masters. These are memories that you will remember for the rest of your life. And I've never seen, as a sports fan, I've never seen more videos uh, just I mean sprawling the internet of grown men in groups and shouting and clapping their hands powerfully and screaming, way to go, Tiger. I mean, everyone was yelling because I think my question was really about Tiger's downfall. Again, as you said, hitting rock bottom and people relating to him. It's just why that moves so many people. I think it was just not only was his injury, it was that he had been down and out, that he is really the only American face outside of Dustin Johnson of, of golf and how important he is to golf as much as Serena Williams is to tennis. Absolutely. It was, it changed a lot of things for the sport of golf yesterday.
1: Yeah. It definitely brought it back into the forefront. Even just like us talking about it on national television on Fox sports one yesterday. I mean, there was, or today um, there was, we had so much more coverage of the masters on a Monday than we ever normally would have. If Francisco Molinari had won instead of Tiger Woods, they might not have even brought it up. It would have been like, yeah, Tiger lost yesterday. There's no point in us addressing it. And, and instead, hours of, of national television were de- de- dedicated to talking about this man who hasn't really seen any success in a decade. And I think it is, there is something to be said for that little bit of being able to relate to your superstars, even the most remote. You know, Colin mm. Howard today brought up Tom versus time. And how we sort of begin to understand what's driving Tom Brady in a way that we didn't before. And we've seen what's driving Tiger Woods in a way that we didn't before. And these are, even LeBron to some extent, this fall that he's taken has the chance to give him the rise that these guys we're talking
0: about have just had.
1: That little bit of fallibility or ability to relate to people,
0: its it means so much to fans. And on that last note my final hot take of the day. I don't know if you saw this Tanya or if any of our listeners had seen this LeBron hitting vacation mode. It was a video that his wife posted, whether he's in Europe or whether he's just in the Bahamas or somewhere tropical of him kind of flapping around and making a 1950s dapper dance. Okay, um, so he's doing a little vacation he's, mode dance. Yeah, vacation mode dance okay. activated cheering and Jubilee. I mean, yes, 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 yes. I It's, It got reposted, obviously, on every single ESPN, Overtime, Fox Sports 1 account. Probably hit my timeline five, six, seven, eight times. Can't even count. I'm no longer a LeBron apologist. That was hard to say. Tongue twister. Just given everything that we talked about just a few days ago, Luke Walton stepping away from the team, Magic Johnson stepping down, LeBron's just giddy as a pig and shit. He's checked out. He's not only checked out, but I also didn't really think about this at the time. This offseason is different than any offseason he's had in the last 10 years. He has an extra two months for his body to recover and come back. And the thought of that is scary. Yeah.
1: Well, it's scary, that's scary in a good of, way. It's, that's kind of why he's in vacation mode. I mean, he hasn't done this in, in literally a decade. I know, but I, no,
0: I mean, he's always had vacation, but whether it's the USA basketball, that he hasn't had any time off in the last two and a half, three years. I mean, it was for the heat. It was three times back to the finals. It was, you know, then it was USA Basketball and then it was Olympics. Tanya, an extra two months for LeBron to recover and recoup and figure out physically how he's going to attack his 16th year in the league. I think that should give the the Laker fans something to be excited about. Even though it's currently pissing you off. Yeah. No, I mean, it's annoying me just his happy dance, but then I thought about it and I said, wow, 2019-20 LeBron could be a dominant lebron. Yeah, I mean
1: if he cares at all or if maybe hey, listen maybe somebody's going to come in and and send him on his merry way to like I don't know, Memphis or something. No, I
0: think that if they don't, he's going to he's going to stomp his feet and cry and scream and need his Binky a couple times and maybe his mommy to hold him, uh but he will get the star that he wants.
1: Well, it'll be it'll be a good day when the Celtics and Lakers actually mean something again because the Celtics certainly don't have any competition in the east right now. I mean, the Sixers are blowing it. Everybody's blowing it right now. Uh, I, I
0: like that I like all the underdogs. There was a couple. What was it on Saturday, Sunday? Every younger, every every underdog upset. It was on Saturday. Yeah, yes. it was on Saturday
1: when the Pacers lost to the Magic. Yeah, Spurs and, won. And... Yeah, it was wild. So, we'll, we'll see. We will see. But it was a it was a good Monday podcast for us. You know, I who knew it would be Tiger. That would hit, I, that would really save our Monday. We didn't even need to game plan for this one today. No,
0: you know what, though? Um, I always kind of refer to golf as the second tier sports. You can, you, As a sports anchor or a journalist, you're always advised in a young career to have one specialty in the major sports and one specialty in the second tier sports. And the second tier sports, I'm talking about golf, tennis, boxing. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else?
1: I think they used to call soccer. It's
0: soccer. Second tier. Yeah, second tier. Yeah. And these are the times that they suggest, the mentors, when they tell us, if you pick one of those sports and something big happens, your phone will be blowing up. And this yeah. is the perfect example. Who is able – was sitting there. I'm like thinking, who is a golf expert that really can talk golf? I mean, there are very few people, Scott Van Pelt, Bill Simmons – um, that's about it. <laughs> Butchie. I mean, and like I haven't thrilling. heard Bill
1: Simmons talk about golf in, in years. Yeah. Like, it's like the same thing we were just talking about. There's very rarely a reason to for, yeah. for a national audience. So this was great for us. And it was, I hope it was great for Bucci. Seemed like he enjoyed himself. And we hope that the listeners enjoyed themselves as well. This is, was our first official interview that we put out. For you guys. So
0: we, we hope do you have, loved it. We do have one in the bank. Yeah, man. We are we saving one come for, to... for a rainy day.
1: It's in the can, so to speak. That's oh. Hollywood terms, people. Keep up. That's showbiz. <laughs> Why? I'll
0: <laughs> we'll see you next week.
1: Bye.